Welcome to another episode on the Duan Marrero podcast. This is your host, Duan Marrero. I have here Aaron Gordon, professional basketball player, content creator. He's been doing this for quite some time, just earned his master's degree not too long ago from right here in the region uh, from Valparaiso University. Aaron, uh, pleasure to have you on, man. How's everything been going? Thank you. Uh, glad to be back on. Everything's been going pretty good. Everything's been going pretty good. Catch the region up to date where you are now. Um, of course, you you played at Valparaiso University, just earned your master's. Uh, you're now with the Vipers, and I believe that's in Houston, Texas. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it in Houston? R- well, RGV. It's, uh, it's uh, like um, about a couple hours away, like two or three hours away. Okay, perfect. Yeah, catch us up to date and um, let everyone know who haven't been familiar with you and just getting to know you, you know, who you are and um, where you currently are. Yeah, so I grew up obviously in Indianapolis, um, played high school ball, um, was Indian All-Star, committed to Seton Hall, played there for two years, had a great two years and decided to transfer back home. Played at Valpo, interestingly enough, for four years because of COVID, uh, you know, had just planned to play there too, but, you know, just with the redshirt year and then the COVID year. Ended up with four, and then I recently just got drafted in the second round of the G League draft uh, probably about three weeks ago um, and just played my first game two days ago. How How is that, man? And congratulations as well, again, drafted in the G League, man. It's like 100 games in the G League. Yeah, yeah. I um, mean, you know, it's it's been pretty good. Um, obviously, the, the draft process is a lot different than, um, you know, the NBA. Obviously, you know, you go through, you do a lot of workouts with teams and um, – you know, it's it's a different atmosphere when you go through the G League draft. It's just like, you know, they go off of, you know, stuff from college, uh, stuff that you did in the summer, maybe a couple workouts that you've done in the NBA. Um, and, you know, more times than not, those are a lot of players who, you know, either got waived, cut uh, young players who, you know, are kind of on the verge of being in the NBA. So um, it's a different it's definitely a different feeling atmosphere. What was it like graduating from Valparaiso with the master's degree? You know, you don't see too many athletes, uh, you know, stay in school for as long as you did. You know, they go on to play professional basketball. But what made you want to pursue your master's degree? Yeah, so for me, education has been very important. And um, obviously, um, you know, I'm not going to be like some of these other guys. Like if I if I definitely had a chance to, you know, get drafted, I probably would have left early. But for me, I saw it as a as an opportunity, um, you know, seeing that I wasn't going to get drafted. But knowing that I did want to, you know, still continue my uh, professional career for all those years. And um, I just saw it as a great opportunity for me to really push. And um, I love doing certain things around the community. I love doing camps. I love doing, um, you know, any sort of connecting when it comes to you know, broadcast media, um, events, you know, pretty much anything. So I, I saw it as a, as a great opportunity for me to further, you know, my career outside of basketball too as well. What got you into uh, media and broadcasting? I think when I was uh, probably a freshman or sophomore in high school, I, you know, I fell in love with just the whole uh, media atmosphere. Like I fell in love with, you know, like watching Fox, Fox Sports. Uh, I fell in love with like watching certain shows like First Take. And then ever since then, um, I was really into, you know, just the, the media aspect of pretty much everything. I think uh, the media kind of makes the world go around and it kind of connects everyone. I mean, it kind of gives our landscape, you know, what it is today, because without media, I, I think the world just wouldn't be as fun. I, I don't think we would make as many connections. I don't think that, you know, we would have progressed, you know, the way that we do if it wasn't for it. So um, I think that 
it's been a major part of my life as well as a lot of others that have gone in this generation. Have you seen a lot of other players pivot just to being multifaceted, not just staying in the hooping realm, but also venturing off and getting out of their comfort zone? How important is that that you see now? Yeah, um, I think a lot of people are, are now doing it now. Now, since obviously um, the summers are are a lot shorter now with summer league and a lot of other things, I think people, especially athletes, now see um, an avenue after basketball for them to not necessarily just pick up something new for them to start doing it um, young. And for me, obviously, I'm getting my you know professional career started at 25, so it's not like um, I don't have any experience in the world. I mean, I've done internships like for example like I, I did an internship with Indiana Fever uh, before I played in the summer league this year and I think that that was a really cool experience for me um, you know just being able to be around other professional athletes um, obviously the WNBA is the top you know women's uh, basketball league in the world and just being around them before I kind of went and did my transition that was a, a really cool experience to just you know be able to work some of the girls out um, and you know help them get better so I think certain things like that you know have have made athletes um, you know, at, in all facets, much better overall people. And obviously, I, I I do think that just with the platform of the NBA players, the things that they that they have done, um, it's definitely changed a lot. Name name some of the internships you uh, got experience in. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so um, I did an uh, internship at Seton Hall. I wrote with the Setonian, which is like the local like newspaper. Um, you know, I would just like interview like. Um, you know, a lot of athletes, uh, coaches and other sports and, you know, really got to know them. You know, I did like quick feature stories and stuff. And um, it's pretty easy for me because I would do that, you know, during the summer or, you know, before the season starts and, you know, was able to, you know, do qu quick write ups with them. Um, I did an internship, obviously, with my dad, who does E3 Basketball Academy in Indianapolis. I work with a ton of, you know, top level kids who, you know, are now playing in college now. It's kind of weird uh, for me to be in college and, you know, I've been working some of these kids out since I've been in second year. And now some of these dudes are now at some of these schools averaging, you know, they're averaging 15, 16 points. And, you know, to be able to, you know, train them and then, you know, see where they've, you know, got to is really cool. Like, for example, for example, like being able to see Gus Etchinson, um, you know, he he went off against us. And it was, it was <laughs> kind of weird because I've trained him for so many years and he's like six years younger than me. So, uh, you know, stuff like that's been really cool. And then obviously the fever. So those are the, the three that, you know, I've really um, you know, took the heart. So for the listeners that's that's listening to you, Aaron, and you you mentioned that you're you're 25 starting your professional journey. Why now? Why why at 25? Where most people's like, man, you got all this experience you've been doing and you could have ventured off somewhere else, but why now to like be a professional basketball player? Yeah, well, I think I mean obviously you know, um, yeah. you know, when you have the ability to be a professional athlete not that many people get that opportunity. Like when, whenever exactly. you're able to play a division one sport, I think you should do it. Um, because when you're in those positions, those, I think people see it and they see the whole grand scheme of things. And they're like, Oh, well this and that. And I, I think if you're able to play professionally, there's, there's nothing else better in the world to do, especially when you're young, and you're able to do it because those are experiences that you just can't get back. And I mean, you're in such a small, minute number. I mean, if you look at the numbers, it just, pro athletes in general. I mean, it's not even NBA players. I mean, it's G League players, it's players that are playing overseas. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, such a small number, um, especially when you start talking about, you know, the 
the the amount of people that are are coming together in one and and it's it's really a small number it seems big but it's really small so you know i just looked at it as it's a once in a lifetime opportunity being a part of such a small number of people that are able to to do something that they love every day you can't really beat it what's what's coach been preaching about and who is coach uh for those that's first hearing about the vipers you know especially being in, in texas like who's coach and what's his uh coaching philosophy yeah so kevin burleson this is actually his first year coaching um as the head coach he, he's coached before he actually played in the nba one year and he's played overseas for a lot of different years and i mean for me um Getting into the professional realm, obviously, I played at Valpo. Um, if you know Valpo, I mean, we play at a much slower pace. Um, and for me, one thing that he's been like, you know, for example, harping on me is just, you know, playing with pace, you know, getting more shots up, shooting the ball, shooting, you know, shots that, are, you know, are somewhat contested, but not bad shots. Like, I'm not really used to that. I'm used to, you know, come down, set our screens, you know, move, you know, shoot open shots, move the ball, like stuff like that. So I think. He's the type of coach he really loves getting up and down, playing really aggressive, um, you know, and just taking, you know, taking a lot of threes. And that's kind of just been a philosophy of his since he's been, um, you know, in the NBA. And he's been in the NBA for a long time. He's been with the Rockets. He's been with the Timberwolves. And um, now he's with the Vipers. That's that's crazy. Just take take a lot of threes. Analytics changed the game of, yeah. of, of basketball. Talk a little bit more about analytics and how you've seen the landscape of basketball change with the players you you've trained. Yeah. Right. And back then, like I I've never took a three. You know, what I mean, at that time, yeah. I was more the a blue collar, do the dirty work, yeah. put backs, uh, finish above the rim. But now it's like, hey, man, I, I need you to stretch the floor and make a three, uh, take a high percentage shot and just talk more about the analytics game and how that's been influenced more in the NBA. Yeah. So one thing that's interesting is like, I feel like I'm one of the best people to talk about this because like, I've, I've just got out of the college. And I wasn't a fan at first. Yeah. And I wasn't a fan at first. And, and, you know, I just got out of college. I'm now playing professional. I trained a lot of kids there in high school, middle school. So I've seen the the big change and how it's kind of leveled down Um, for me. I think that there's always going to be the the, necess- the necessity to change the game. Um, the, the game has changed so much over the course of years. Rules have changed. Uh, one thing that I really honestly did not know until, like, you're really in it is how much teams try to really exploit the rules. And that's not really um, something that they really don't tell the public. Like, a lot of players really try – like, a lot of coaches, too, like, they exploit the rules, like – when you're talking about certain things like, oh, like you can foul right here. Like this is a foul, but they're not going to call it. Or you can do this, but they're not going to call it. Like you can, you know, take a step out of bounds and come back in. Like they don't call that. Like certain things that you can do, you know, just because the ref necessarily isn't watching that's illegal, but you do because you're trying to get the 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 edge. Um, I think that that's one thing that they don't talk a lot about. And I think the changing of the game, um, especially you see it a lot now um, because when I was in college, that was your last year, right? A twenty, my well, twenty seventeen was my yeah. yeah so I graduated twenty seventeen. Yep. My last year. Yep. So the game has changed a lot since I've been in college because my your last year was my first year. The shot clock is now down to thirty seconds. The three point line is pushed back to almost NBA range. It's international now, like pretty much all the same. And now it's pushed back to almost NBA range. Like the game is definitely changing. You're starting to see a lot of college teams now run five out. Um, you're starting to see the entire, you know, pace of the game change. And now starting to see a lot of other high school leagues have a shot clock. 
um, which in Indiana, as you know, we don't use a, sh a shot clock. And right, now, we know, need to. About doing too. Yeah, we definitely it, need to. It, Illinois just picked it up, by the way. Yeah, yeah, they just picked it up. And that's the thing, like, the game is going to continue to evolve. And now what's what's that's, what's going to happen now is, is those teams, like, you know, the Carmels and stuff, they're going to have to evolve. And that's the reason why that they evolved. Whenever the rules change, you evolve. Like, the defense of three-second. Um, there's a reason why bigs don't necessarily dominate the game like how they used to. And the big thing is the, the defense of three-second. Like, they have to get out the lane. Right. So now it's harder for a lot of bigs uh, to, to move out and, uh, you know, contest shots when they have to go through the lane. And it, it just it's, – it's much harder. Why do why you think Indiana hasn't adopted the, the shot clock yet, from your opinion? Oh, historical purposes, because they haven't before. I think if they were was the first one to do it, then I think it wouldn't have been an issue. But, you know, Indiana has been known to do everything traditionally. Like, we still do the Indiana All-Star versus Kentucky game. We still do – you know, the Hoosier magazine, like the, there's the history that goes around in Indiana basketball is so legit and it's just so powerful that it's, it would be hard to change something like that. Who's been the players that just stands out to you, whether that's been in college, NBA, if you've been around basketball your whole life, for those yeah. who don't know, Eric Gordon um, is his big brother. You know, this is yeah. this is Aaron's Gordon and you've you've seen a lot of players, but the players now are built different. Uh, they're yeah. wired different. I think they're much more talented and very much more athletic mm -hmm. and surreal at a much younger age. Talk about the players you've seen that that's really been standing out to you. Yeah, so I play against like Josh Gidney this summer. Um, is the Giddy or Gidney? It's Giddy. 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 Josh Giddy, who played for yeah, Oakland. Josh I Giddy. mean, uh, for, yeah, played for Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oklahoma he's a killer. And. You know, like a dude like that, I don't think people realize how good like a dude like that really is. Like he's literally, he's like six eight, six nine. literally can do almost everything on the court. He can shoot, he can drive, he can handle, like he can pass. I mean, obviously defending is not his strength, but he can still defend and stay in front. He can rebound well. Like there's a lot of guys in the league that I honestly think are extremely good, but he's one that I'll be honest, like he is extremely, extremely talented. Um, and who's another person that I think really, really stood out? I'll say my own teammate, um, Darius Days. He he actually played for the Spurs Summer League. I thought that, you know, he's a really good player. Um, he's somebody who's he's coming into his first year. He was with the Miami Heat and they, you know, they waved him, you know, the last day. And um, you know, stuff like that's really tough. But he, you know, he's came out and he's been playing really well. I think you gotta give guys like that a lot of credit. He was at LSU. They had a really good LSU team uh, there. And um, I would say those are two people that I think um, over the last two months, I would say since summer league, uh, that's that has stood out that aren't like big names. Right. Have have players in the locker room discuss when they get waived and the motions they go through trying to bounce back and find a new team. Oh, of course. Um, you know, that's it's really hard because. Like when I think a lot of guys get waived, I think when you look at it, you're looking at like a top player getting waived. Like, I don't think people understand the magnitude of like getting waived and getting cut or not making a roster or whatever the case may be. Like you're literally doing that to someone who has had so much success in their career that it's kind of like a, a really weird feeling. And then you're doing it to more likely someone than not who hasn't been cut, you know, with anything in the right. last, you know, 10 to 15 years. So sometimes when certain things like that happen, um, you know, sometimes everyone handles it different. Um, I think some people are emotional about it. I think some people are just like, hey, on to the next opportunity. Um, 
you know, I, I luckily have not been in that situation since I played on the Team USA uh, in under 16 and, and got cut. But, you know, I, I don't know how I would I, how I would react. But, you know, kind of seeing those guys and kind of sharing that, um, you know, that was, that was really cool. But I think everyone has handled it very much differently. You've been through adversity, you know, with life. It has its highs and lows with, you know, being mm -hmm. in a creative rut or going through a basketball rut. How have you managed to handle adversity or when things don't go your way? Yeah, so the the toughest part, especially in basketball, as you know, and as other basketball players know, like sometimes things are out of your control. Sometimes things are in your control. And I think you people always say just let things happen. And I think the toughest part is knowing what you can control and what you can't. I think the first part that you always need to do is know what you can control, know what's out of your control, because it's different for everybody. Everyone thinks, oh, like you can control your playing time by how hard you're practicing that like that's not always legit um especially when you get to to this level like sometimes you may have to do other things sometimes you you might have to say listen this is where I can get in where I can fit in you have to know where you can you know get in it's not just you got to work harder in practice or you might have to do this or you might have to do that or you got to know the situation and you have to understand timing so like for me, whenever I go through a situation, I understand what the situation is, because sometimes people look at the situation in terms of just looking at it through their own eyes. I think you have to look at it through other people's eyes, um, you know, like, for example, like if you're not playing a lot or if you're not shooting well, or if you're not getting the ball as much or whatever the case may be, sometimes you have to look at it through the other lens instead of yours and then see what you can control and try to control and then the other stuff you can't control, you kind of just have to let it work itself out. I feel that 100%. And, and, and one of the questions I've always wanted to ask you too, Aaron, is have you always felt the the pressure? Or was there pressure on you to live up to the standards of your brother? You know, they know he's <laughs> a legend. And I, I, I remember watching EG um, when I was a kid, when he yeah. played against, uh, e, e, I was it Etuan Moore and Angel Garcia. Yeah. And he would yeah. pull up from deep and, now I'm yeah. starting to see a lot of people who are legacies and, you know, they always try to compare, but I always try not to compare mm -hmm. one another. Everyone's their own individual. But yeah. was was there pressure for you in the beginning when you first started a hoop to be like your brother? Uh, honestly, it, this is a really weird thing. And a lot of people do ask me that. Uh -huh. I've never really felt that. I've always <laughs> thought that was more fun. Right. Um, because. Like, if you know me, like, everyone, like, it, like if you've ever, like, been around me, like, you know, right. like, I'm a jokester. Like, I never <laughs> take anything, like, extremely serious. Like, like even, like, the fans just say you, you're not Eric or whatever. Like, I actually, like, kind of laugh and chuckle at Like, I don't even get mad or try to ignore. Like, it's kind of funny. Um, but, no, like, I've never really felt that. Um, and I, I, I think I understood because, like, growing up, like, people have to remember, like, I hung with like when when my brother's growing up, like I hung with like Greg Oden, Mike Conley, Derek Rose, like all these top guys. So I understood that that level of of play that they're at is such a really extreme high, high, high level that like there's no point in comparing because even those guys had certain things like my brother could shoot the ball way better than Derek Rose. Right. Derek Rose could handle the ball way better than my brother. Like I, I saw that and I understood like there's no point in comparing because they both have their own strengths nor weaknesses as people as as players so i understood at a certain level it's just like there's there's no you know point in trying to be like my brother because i'm not going to be like my brother i'm gonna have my own strengths he's gonna have his own strengths 
And then obviously as we get older, I mean, you obviously see we look alike, we're built alike, our games are alike. But I mean, just I, I just don't really see the value in in trying to compare anymore unless it's going to be for something useful. So it, it's um, pretty wild. I, it I covered Bronny yeah. a handful of times. Um, I've yeah. been to Bronny games just for work. I have to, and I, I I would hear the fans say, "You're not like your father," and I think that's yeah. so cruel because it's like this kid's only a teenager and you yeah. know you got kids getting nil deals and you you've watched the brownies and and like the g league and ignites and overtime elite you know put on for yeah. a lot of teenagers now i want you to just talk about your thoughts about overtime elite and what if we had that growing up and now nil <laughs> yeah so you know it's, it's very interesting because like for example like we play against g league ignite uh here soon and it's going to be kind of weird, you know, playing against guys that are, you know, some guys, well, they mix the teams up a little bit because they, you know, G League night, they didn't do too well over the last couple of years. But now, you know, they're still going to have a couple of top, like Scoop, you know, they're going to have some, right. some really top players. But, you know, for me, I think it's a good thing that I, because I honestly feel like there's a lot of different, and I really want to put it the right way because I think some people may interpret it wrong. There's not the perfect way to get to the NBA. There's no perfect way. Like some people say, oh, you got to play in college. Or some people are like, oh, no, you you shouldn't play in college. It hurts you. I think like everybody's different. Just like how choosing a school will work for one kid and choosing the same school, another kid won't work. So I think giving guys different options to to make it to the NBA is, is, you know, is, is good. And I think that, you know, for being in Indiana, any everyone loves playing in Indiana basketball. And, you know, some kids are going to go to, they're going to go play prep school. They're going to play in overtime elite there. Some kids may, you know, not even play their senior year. I mean, that's, that's happened quite a bit, but I think that there's no perfect way to do it. So I, I do commend, you know, overtime elite. I, I do commend, you know, G league Unite, um and all those other, you know, prep schools that give kids an alternative way to, you know, really, you know, make the most of their career. Last thing I, I, I want to hit you with, Aaron, is uh, what's more than an athlete? What's your definition of more than an athlete? Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, I would say more than an athlete for me means you as an athlete bring more to the table than just your sport. And like, I think I'm a good example of it because I don't put all my bags into one, like into into what, all my chips in one bag. I kind of messed it up. All my chips into one bag. In terms of my life now, like, do I bet on myself? Like, am I going to work out for hours a day? Yes. Am I going to believe and believe that, you know, I can, you know, have success on the court every day? Am I going to put all my focus on strictly basketball? Yes. But do I believe that that's all I'm worth? No. I think that's one thing about more than the athlete um, that I think is really important is knowing that you're more than just an athlete you bring more to the table than just you playing that sport because like I said when you look at all your mentors everyone that has got you there you know your parents you know they all you know did that without you know dribbling the basketball as well or you know throwing the ball as well or do you know doing anything as well um you know they've done so many different things for 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 kids coaches parents teachers everybody and I think kids need to understand that too as well that you know you don't have to just be a professional athlete you can do a lot of different things uh good in society aaron thanks again man for blessing the podcast giving your wisdom and knowledge sure. as always man i appreciate it 
Thank you. Much appreciated.